Let's do this. A podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Uh, I'm not in a real good space tonight, David. <laughs> Why not? Gotta say. Well, a few wacky things going on in the world right now, and uh, oh, I, I watch hockey for, you know, relief from that, and tonight I just wound up getting <clears throat> unhappier. The longer I watched, the unhappier I got. Uh, misery is the price we pay for being a fan, and if you wanted to see misery, they, they panned to Ken Holland's face, I think, after this second period. Mm-hmm. Oh, and up there, all alone in the uh, press box, he just looked like a. Uh, he just looked like he was the, the he was the picture of misery, and um, well, you know a lot of people are of course blaming him, and and he's the running this team, and so he he shares in the blame. Yep. Six two loss to the Vancouver Canucks. The Grade A shots were thirteen for the Canucks, thirteen for the Oilers, with the subset of five alarm shots. Nine for the Canucks and six for the Oilers. So that... Uh, what were the rush shots tonight, David? Do we have them? Uh, give me one second. I can sure. tell you that. The rush yeah, goals were three for the Canucks and zero for the Oilers. How about that? Jeez, it's 21 right. to six now. 21 to six, Bruce. They can either create goals off the rush nor defend them. It is bizarre... It is bizarre at this point, their defensive response to the rush. Mm-hmm. They're, and we're going to get into this in our two bad things. This is our two good things, two bad things, two numbers, and one conundrum podcast. We'll start off with our good things, Bruce. What was your good thing? Well, it has to be how Edmonton started the game. They came <laughs> out with their pants on fire, and they were absolutely all over Vancouver from the puck drop. I think the shots were nine nothing by the three minute mark. Uh, by the eleven uh, twenty nine mark, which is to say just before Vancouver scored, they were nineteen to two for Edmonton, nineteen to two, and they were just all over them with a bunch of of uh, grade A chances in there and just a tremendous amount of pressure in the zone. And Vancouver was the second best team by a country mile. Seven to one in grade eight shots. Seven yeah, to one in grade eight shots. Minutes, eh? yeah. And then Vancouver and came over the Edmonton blue line a couple of times, and it was two one for Vancouver, and that was basically all she wrote. But those first ten minutes were excellent. Yeah, that was really painful. Um, <laughs> that first goal from the Canucks—it's not a bad thing or anything—but Darnay putting it in his own net. Oh. That was so brutal. That was so painful. Was, you know, it's just bad luck on a, on a certain level. And it was just, oh, golly, geez, golly, Willikers. Why did he do that? Um, yeah, it was a really good start, Bruce. My good thing is the lines. I actually like, I like the lines that Woodcroft had tonight. I thought it was creative. And I thought it distributed the talent in an interesting way and in probably a better, more effective way. I mean, the grade A shots in this game were 13 to 13. Um, the Canucks had the better chances, mainly because they feasted on the rush. 
But um, Edmonton had some stuff going on. I like the Dreisaitl Holloway. Um, oh. And um, who was oh. the third guy? Dreisaitl Holloway and... Uh, was it Fogel? Oh. And then, so then they had McDavid with McLeod and... Um, who was McDavid with McLeod? Because they had the Kane, Hyman, and Nuge line together, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they had McDavid with... Uh, let me just see here. McLeod and who was the third member of that line, Bruce? Uh, Holloway was there for that was Holloway. Time. They, were, they were scrambling it, of course, as as the game went along. Oh, Gagne, Gagne, um, Gagne, McLeod, and McDavid. I think were the was the uh, line, and then they had the um, Hyman, McLeod, Hyman, McLeod, and McDavid. They played oh, there you go. almost ten minutes together. And uh, Hyman, McDavid, and Gagne played a couple of shifts together, but uh, it was Hyman. Stat, natural okay. stat trick keeps line any line that plays together for more than one <laughs> minute. They they show them in their games. I like those. I like mixing it up. I thought it was a good. You know, it was good to get some speed on those lines. And McLeod mm-hmm. and Holloway had better games. Um, Holloway was involved in the goal. Mm-hmm. Um. He, you know, getting in there fast on the rush um, helped cause that goal. And, um, yeah, he was more effective. He, they found a way to make, to use his helter-skelter speed up front and open the, up the ice a little bit. And I thought McLeod, too, his speed was used more effectively um, on the line with McDavid. So I liked those uh, those two pairings, Holloway with Dreisaitl and McLeod with McDavid, essentially, is uh, my good thing. And I thought it, it I thought it, it, it was a new look, and it generally generally was better than the old look, and it worked somewhat. Although they only scored one goal at even strength, of course, so wasn't exactly uh, running with a wasn't exactly uh, yeah running with a buddy with his tail on fire. It was just okay, but it was better than what we'd seen. All right, Bruce. <laughs> Why don't we? I'll do my bad thing first since it comes first in the game. Sure. Um, so this is that we've already talked briefly about the first goal against, which is a, just a tremendous, you know, DeHarnay's trying to cut out a pass across the crease, a hard pass, and he puts it in his own net. Mm-hmm. And that was just brutal because the Oilers had been dom- utterly dominating there. And then and you get a goal like that against. But the next mm-hmm. goal, Bruce, the next goal was to me epitomizes the Oilers season entirely. Everything that has gone wrong with the Oilers' season went wrong on that partic- this particular play. So first of all, it's a rush goal against, and the Oilers have now given up, as we say, is it 21 rush goals against at even strength. And it's a nothing play. Vancouver is pucked behind their net. It's a basic breakout. And whatever system the Oilers have, it completely and utterly disintegrates. It just, it just the, the Canucks just shred it. And not with particularly brilliant play in any way. So they, they Holloway's in front of the, the, the net and Dreisaitl's uh, kind of at the face-off dot. And they come out the other direction. And um, immediately they move the puck up the ice and there's a diagonal pass right across the ice. So whatever their system is, it's allowed the diagonal pass across the ice. I think Fogel gets back too deep to cut out the diagonal pass across the ice, across the neutral zone. And Dreisaitl's not coming back fast enough to cut out that pass. So between the two of them, 
they allow a diagonal pass across the ice. But even then, there's no real trouble. There's one Vancouver player coming down the one wing, and DeHarnay's on him. And there's another player, Joshua, Dakota Joshua, I think his name is with the yeah. puck, coming down the wing. And he is such a threat, Bruce. He is such a dangerous player that the Oilers decide they need two guys covering him. So Kulak, who is backed way up into his own zone, when Joshua, you know, when they make this diagonal pass, he's already back at the ringette line, you know, above the faceoff circle. So both he and Fogel go towards him. And what does that do? It opens up the middle of the ice for the immortal Pius, Pius Suter. And no fewer than two Oiler players, Leon Dreisaitl and Dylan Holloway, are cruising back slowly through the neutral zone. Slowly, slowly. What? Why are they worried? What, what me worry? Mm-hmm. No one's ever scored a rush goal against the Edmonton Oilers. Why would I hustle back? Yeah. I, I, I have had it, Bruce with this slow ass back checking from these players. Ooh, I'm getting a little hot here. I, it, I didn't, it just, how, how many times does it have to happen for them to think maybe if I just went as hard as I can on the back check mm-hmm. here, I could prevent a goal against. Maybe mm-hmm. if I just turned on my jets and either of them could have done it, Holloway yeah. could have done it. Dry Settle was the main culprit. He was the first man back. He was, the, fir- was, he was the first culprit. And then uh, Holloway, was, Holloway the was close to the guy and he was just cruising on two, two feet. Just Either of them could have caught riding. it. Either could have caught him. And they both just cruised. They just both yeah. thought, I'm too special for back checking, I guess. Is that what it is? What is it? At this uh, point, it's this brain, many years into Leon Drysaddle's career. Brain what is cramps. I don't know, David. Uh, I can tell you that later in the game, Drysaddle busted his hump to get back to break up a two-on-one. And then the third guy came up the middle of the ice and nobody took him and he scored. Well, that's because you're going to get to that. It's, <laughs> that was... I just... Yeah. It, it's just anyway. like yeah, uh, so many right. of these that rush goals are just are just off brain farts. Mm-hmm. They, they, give, they give away hockey games right now. Because of a lack lack of effort and a lack of concentration defensively off the rush, you'd think they'd be sick and tired of it. They're, you'd think they'd be sick and tired of losing and sick and tired of scoring off the rush. Other teams scoring off the rush. Okay, so then this isn't the worst of it. Though. I haven't even got to the worst part. No, you okay, so Drysaddle and and um, and Holloway are are, are late as. Um, Dakota Josh, Joshua passes the puck back towards the blue line where P.S. Suter is coming over the blue line and moving into the slot. And from the high slot, he puts a puck right in the middle of the net, pretty much, right on right on the middle of the net. And some, <laughs> somehow Stuart Skinner, who is Skinner, Skinner and Campbell are statistically two of the worst goalies in the NHL. And on this shot, we see why Skinner's included in this. It goes right through him into the net. Just a, it's a B shot from the high slot. He's got to have it. He's got to have that shot. And it goes in the net. It goes in the net, Bruce. And, um, yeah, my, I just don't know. My living room exploded and <laughs> I just a, huge volley of curses at that moment when that went in the shots are 19-4 and Demko's been standing on his head for half a period Skinner's been watching the play from like 150 feet away and then 
they get one well you know and then the very next you got to have that save you just 100 percent. you have to have a save there you have to have it didn't get it and the orders trailed for the whole rest of the game once again the early lead blown and once they got behind forget about the comeback you know you you have to tell anna and kevin to stop swearing like that bruce yeah it was them <laughs> with them yeah no i both it's happened maybe two or three times so far out of 11 games that you know it's just something that's just so egregious that i just can't handle it for a minute or two and i just and so so again so this encompasses lazy back checking some kind of weird ass system that mm-hmm. ain't that nobody knows and nobody's playing whatever it is and mm-hmm. crappy goaltending it's just yeah. everything and on a rush play. This is everything wrong yeah. with the Oilers' season yeah. in this one play. And, wow. But, but you know, that Pia Suter, Dakota Joshua, Ian Cole combination, sometimes they just can't be stopped, right? I mean, we're talking about star players for Vancouver here that just tore Edmonton apart on that play. Yeah, when you're out against that kind of talent, wrong. the best you can do is just hold on. He might want to hustle against that kind of talent anyway. Bruce, (laughs) wow. Okay, what's your bad thing? Yeah, uh, well, I'm going to uh, resist the opportunity to to do what Leon Dreisaitl and Jay Woodcroft both did and lose it, tell the truth about the referees who were okay. brutal in this game, brutal yeah. in this game. But I'll pick actually a hockey player, lack thereof. And unfortunately, the culprit here is Evan Bouchard. This is the 4-2 goal where Edmonton has got themselves back into the game. 3-2, uh, three minutes before this, the Oilers have closed the gap. Uh, and Vancouver uh, gets a goal where the dry saddle line, dry saddle actually wins the face off. It's in the offensive zone. And I think it's like eight seconds from winning a face off in their end to the puck being in Edmonton's net. And dry saddle won the draw into the slot. Neither defenseman moved in on it. Uh, Fogel kind of moved over to it, but he lost the battle on it. And that's when Evan Bouchard decides he needs to pinch. And, of course, the puck gets chipped off the boards past when it's a two-on-one. They are going down the ice. And Drysaddle, this time, from his position of winning the face-off, busts his hump, and he gets down there, and he almost catches the second guy. I'm not even sure he caught him, but he at least sort of uh, made himself part of the play. And Bouchard also busts his hump for about 100 feet. He gets on on the uh, goal scorer who is uh, Niels Hoaglander, who's a guy that had me thinking unspeakable things at times during this game. And uh, uh, anyway, so he busts his butt all the way down the ice. He catches Hoaglander basically even with him. And then when the Vancouver guy shoots the shot, because he doesn't have options because the two orders hustle back, 
Bouchard decides, oh, now's a good time. I can just stop moving my feet and watch the shot and see if Stu makes a save. Well, Stu did make the save, and he punted a big rebound right into the slot to Niels Hoaglander, who's now about a quarter step ahead of Bouchard because Bouchard stopped moving his damn feet, and he pounds it home, four to two, and that was basically the end of the orders competing in this game. And it's just, why can't they keep skating on defense? Why do they quit on plays like that? My comment on that was LOL on on our score sheet. It was Bruce. (laughs) In in watching it again, the pinch became slightly more forgivable. It was such a quick play. Now, his first instinct should be in that moment, danger, danger, and he should be backing up, right? But he did. they, They don't. They He did hustle back and I did. was it just the last podcast where I mentioned where I've I'm totally befuddled by this it must be something mm-hmm. in human nature they skate the Mark they, just, yeah. they go so hard to get back they skate as hard as and, and hell I probably do this every game too when I'm playing hockey you skate as hard as you can to get back and once you get even with the player you stop instead of getting on the defensive side of the player instead of yeah. taking one lifting extra side, his stick, maybe. Side and lifting a stick, or just getting on the de- get on the defensive side of him. As soon as they catch up to him, they coast, and then it becomes for the puck. It's a 50-50 play. Instead of you getting like a 90-10 play where you're going to almost certainly get it, it's a 50-50 play. And on this one, it went to the wrong guy, and he got it. And yeah, all Evan Bouchard had to do was take one more hard stride. Literally one more hard stride, he would have been on the right side of Huglander. And there's no way he would have scored. Instead, he just stopped skating. And it is a fascinating, I, I actually find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. And and because we you see it all the time. Maybe if yet maybe, maybe you don't see this on other teams. I don't know. Like I don't oh, watch do. other teams as closely. But it must be something in human nature or or hockey nature. Like mm-hmm. maybe they're just afraid of. Uh, losing track of the player if they get on the on the defensive side of him, or maybe they're afraid they can't stop in time in front of the net, like they, they're just going to go hit, cram into the ram into their own goalie or something. But you just see it again and again and again. It's almost as common. Like the other big mistake you'll see is after a turnover, the player, or after a player makes a turnover. He just gets tunnel vision for the puck and he just starts chasing the puck to, to make up for his mistake and he doesn't cover the right man. So that's mm-hmm. another kind of thing that you constantly see in hockey. But this is even maybe even more so. And I don't know how you could train that out of players because I do think it's probably not just the others. I think it's just common in hockey, but it's, it's you just see it so often. Yeah. Yeah, you see it too often. And this is... Uh, uh, you see it more often from some players than others, and uh, that's true. And Evan Bouchard and his his uh, lackadaisical defending, and he's a defenseman, of course. So it really, you know, it can be costly real quick. And tonight it was him. It was Drysaddle on another play. Last time that we talked about this happening was McDavid, yes. not failing yeah. to overtake Joe Pavelski, the oldest guy or second oldest guy in the league, on a you know hundred and 20 foot back check and he just he he got close and then he coasted and close doesn't cut it guys oh yeah so this this has me thinking about jay woodcroft actually you know the whole jay woodcroft conundrum mm-hmm. and um it just like 
one of the things you'd have to do as a coach is is you just you're just teaching habits constantly it's just it's just it's process 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 which is built on habits 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 and this is what makes me wonder about the Oilers process on defense and their defense was really weak last year and is there just that attention to process and attention to habit like every single time you must do this you know every single time you must do that here's what you do you know on the back check you don't stop when you catch up to the guy you stop when you're on the right side of him and you do it every single time and every single time that you don't do it we we point it out to you in a nice way but we remind you and if you do it too many times we will bench you or something like i just wonder about that aspect of the Oilers at this point with their defensive play because their defensive play this isn't really this is this is the biggest expression of it it's kind of blown up in their faces entirely but it this is haunted they would haunted them last year it, it it got the best of them it's why they lost to Las Vegas in the playoffs and uh, along with goaltending and um here we go again so uh your number Bruce Let's move on. But yeah, okay. Uh, well, I'll avoid the the opportunity to mention 24 minutes and penalties to eight <clears throat> in this game. Thank you for avoiding that. And instead, I'm going to talk, talk about one of, one of my uh, good things from this game, and it wasn't great, uh, but it was good. Darnell Nurse's game. Uh, I like the pushback. I like that he came out hard and heavy from the first period to the third, and he was playing the Canucks, and he was hammering guys. He had eight hits in this game, eight hits, eight shot attempts, uh, two block shots, also two penalties, and, of course, Vancouver converted both of them into easy goals, it seemed like, and so that has to count against him, although the one penalty, you know, was clearing the net front and playing hard hockey, and the other one was, you know, garbage time, taking a shot at Nils Hoaglander, who by that time had a shot coming. And his helmet mysteriously came off. He drew, I think, maybe three penalties in this game, Hoaglander. One from, from Ekholm, who had his cross-check stick. And he did give him a cross-check, but it was waist high. And Hoaglander kind of stumbled into the check, and the ref, I think, decided that it was a, a high cross check. I mean, Hoaglander's like five foot nothing when he's standing up. And when he's going down in advance, he's shorter than that. And then Ekholm was really upset, which you don't usually see. McDavid was really upset with the ref. Drysaddle was really upset. Woodcroft was really upset. And I mean, these guys are upset because of the way things are going. But they also yeah. did get pretty hosed in this game. I'm not sure it was the difference in the game, but you know Vancouver got three power play goals, and a couple of them were on fairly marginal calls, shall we say? Anyways, uh, Nurse was uh, taking no prisoners. Let's put it that way. And I thought he made some good plays. He made a great stretch pass to McDavid, the far blue line, right in the first minute of the game. Made a terrific rush to, uh, on the shorthanded in the third period where he. He collected a puck in his own zone, rushed up ice on two-on-one, cut in and got a good shot. And I just generally like he was the good. fact that he was pushing back, and that was good. I also didn't mind Hyman pushing back, although I was a little disappointed that he stumbled with uh, uh, after J.T. Miller took liberties with McDavid. 
Yeah. Same JT Miller who creamed uh, Holloway right in the numbers. That somehow wasn't a penalty right before Woodcroft got the toss. And it was just, there seemed to be a real double standard in this game. And, and that, that, that is something that tends to tick me off. I'll keep the language clean for this podcast, but. Excuse me. There's Fogel's goal I, too. I thought. I thought Fogel. The Vancouver guys shoved a stick in on Fogel's Fogel's feet. It wasn't a kicking motion. It was a a, he was being a a getting tripped tripped motion. Motion. If you look closely, you can see that. That should have been a good goal. Oh, and the other one, where Derek Ryan, they were calling a high sticking penalty because he got smashed in the face. And they looked at the replay and said, "Oh, he didn't get a high stick. He got elbowed in the face. We have to cancel that call because it wasn't high sticking." What? But the guy friggin' elbowed him in the head. Wake up. If Fogel's goal goes in, it's then 4-3, yeah. and we got a game. And I thought it was a good goal. It was, I thought it was a good goal. Unless yeah. he kicked it in the slot itself earlier. That was the only other thing I thought, that he might have, like on Holloway's shot, I noticed that Fogel might have kicked it It's only it kicking then. it into the net that matters, though. You can well, kick it towards but no, the But net, that would no have problem. been kicking it into the net, too. Like, he might have kicked it initially and then kicked it again. So there might be, it might have been that. So that's my only proviso. But I, I so. anyway, I thought it looked like a good goal to me. It looked like it was propelled in and and mm-hmm. um, then Fogel got tripped and, and yeah. it went. Yeah, well, the guy tried to shove his stick in there. He was trying to keep it out. And yeah. I mean, I'll give Vancouver goals, lots of credit for the fact that when the puck got into the front of their net, there tended to be five Vancouver guys down in the slot, whereas a similar play in Edmonton slot, there might be a guy there and there might not, you know. It's just a night and day in terms of how they defend and Absolutely. also a night and day in terms of their goalie making saves. Yeah. So uh, this is the first time in eight, nine years, apparently, that uh, Vancouver's won three straight off of Edmonton, but... 18 goals to six in the three games. And Oilers outshot Vancouver in all three games, they were saying. My number, Bruce, is 10 points in nine games. That's Connor McDavid. So for a normal NHL player, that's really, really good. For Connor McDavid, that is not. uh... So, yeah, he's not. He got zero points tonight. Um, You know, he has his moments. Where he looks he was good better in- tonight than the last, I yeah, think, on the, the power play. Really, he's just slowly getting a little better. Maybe it's his. So we had uh, four major contributions to grade A shots last year. He averaged seven per game. Tonight he had four. Um, so two on the first shift, and then two for the whole rest of the game. Yeah, okay. yeah. So he's he's anyway. It's just highlighting the fact that he's not obviously he's not a hundred percent, and it's really. It's really that really hurts the orders as well. But all these rust chances, they could still happen with McDavid at 100%. And you'd still be losing all these games because it is bizarre, Bruce. Yeah. It is bizarre what's going on on the rush. Okay. Let's move on to tonight's conundrum. He's, he's got, um, he's in a 25 way tie for 60th in league scoring right now. McDavid. And what I've noticed is that since coming back from the injury, I thought in each of the games he had a pretty good start, and then he just kind of faded out of the game. Tonight, he was certainly 
competing hard, but, you know, his creating a chances and just fumbling the puck more. And so you got to think there's something still physically um, challenging for him. And it's hard to say what that might be, but uh, he's the Oilers' great equalizer. And these days he isn't doing a lot of equalizing. Uh, yeah. Conundrum. Trying to see what Stuart Skinner's save percentage is here now. Worse than it was before, which was 861. And tonight he put up an 833, so it'll be around 855 now. Eight, good, good guess, Bruce, 856, and Jack Campbell's 873. So um, the conundrum, tonight's conundrum is what do you do with the Oilers' uh, goaltending situation. I actually thought there was another goal, JT Miller's goal. Um, you'll you'll have to have a look at that and get back to me, like you re- review it. But it looked to me like it wasn't screened, like Skinner actually had a yeah, line on that puck. He did. Yeah. Right, right all the way through. And he just, ha- again, he's got to make that save. Like it wasn't, it was a good shot, but you just, he just, he, he went down. Instead of moving to the puck, he went down and um, just another uh, weak goal against two in one game. So they're two of the worst goalies in the NHL right now. So and um, yeah. what do you do? What do the orders do about this? Do they just ride these stick with these two guys? Do they call up someone from the farm and send down one or both? Do they set up, call up, I guess Picard, uh, Calvin Pickard and um, Olivier Rodrigue are the have the two are the two best save percentages for goalies in the AHL combined. And uh, do you send both of these guys down and call up both <laughs> both of them, or you just pick one? Do you pick on one, pick on Campbell, oh. I guess, pick on Skinner, pick on Campbell. You, it's uh, six of one half a dozen another. Yeah, what do you no, do? Skin, well. It's, if you wave Skinner, I mean, he's he's sort of he's, getting he's on the all rookie team. Yeah, he's got a two point six times Fair three enough. year uh, contract. You know, some team that's down in the dumps would have a long hard look at that. Whereas uh, Jack yeah. Campbell and his four more well, nearly four more years at five million dollars, and his disastrous results so far, and the fact that he's already thirty one years old and not exactly improving. Uh, uh, at this point, I think they wave him and they call up probably Pickard and change things up for a while because their goaltending is killing them. And I, you know, you can't go. You, you might as you well can't win. Yeah, you, and you might as well do this, right? Like, what's the downside mm-hmm. at this point? Jack Campbell. You know, I think when he lost the net on that wraparound goal again, he lost the oh, team. He lost the team. Yeah. Yeah, and. um it was that play that was the, 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 you know, the last straw. There's been lots of, there's enough straw there to, <laughs> to feed a, to feed a, mm-hmm. you know, the golden hordes horses. Um, it was, there's a lot of straw. Um, mm, it's all broken. Okay. Calvin Pickard, <laughs> six, 31 years old, six one two oh six. He's played 116 NHL games. He's got a 9.03 save percentage. Last play in the NHL, 21-22. <laughs> that sounds great, 9.03. Wow. 
Um, last played in the NHL, 21-22 for the Detroit Red Wings with an 875 percentage. Three games. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's a number a, three. Here's, a safe, here's mm-hmm. a safe percentage in his last three years in Detroit, Bruce. Only three, six, and three games, but okay, 797, 874, and 875. That's it right in. And then before that, the three safe percentages, 27-18 for Toronto, 28-19 for Philly, and 28-19 for Arizona were 857, 863, and 892. Mm-hmm. So maybe they call up Olivier Rodrigue and see if the young guy, somehow the young guy's ready. Um, Pickard actually has played more. He's played four games to two for Rodrigue. I don't know why they go with that. He played a lot for Colorado. Like he was Colorado's backup. And then in 16, 17, he played 50 games for Colorado because their starter got hurt. Yeah. And, and uh, they weren't going anywhere and they just went with him. And he, he put up a 904 uh, that season and a half decent 298 goals against average on a team that went 15, 31 and two when he was in net. So, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's not exactly been blessed with great teams, but I guess you can he make the not. case. He's not going to be blessed with a great team. If he gets called up to the current Edmonton Oilers, because this has not been a great team. I mean, to go with Olivier Rodrigue would be, um, he's just tiny. He's six, one, 158 pounds, according to hockey DB oh. 23. The Oilers same second, height, fifty pounds lighter. Wow! Second, oh, second round draft pick in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. He was actually struggling in the minors his first uh, three seasons. Looks like two seasons, and then last year in Bakersfield in twenty nine games he had a nine twelve save percentage, which which isn't bad. And this year in two games nine sixty eight. So listen, you could do worse than trying him for a few games. Stranger things have happened than a young goalie coming up and getting hot and a team rallying around him and winning a few games. It actually happened kind of somewhat with Stuart Skinner last year. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the – are we agreed on um, this is the solution to the conundrum? Send down Campbell, call up Rodrigue, or you – uh, uh, I, I think you got to send down Campbell. I mean, Picard has been the number one guy. In Bakersfield, he is a veteran with NHL experience, so he would be sort of more your conventional choice. Rodrigue, I mean, he's only played two games in Bakersfield this year. But you know what? Last year, he ended the season. He had a long skid, and then last year, his last five games, 967, 950, 966, 941, 952. His last five games last year. He's the Dustin Wolf of the Oilers organization. And this year, 969 and 968. So he's had he's seven like, great games call, in a row, basically. <laughs> you know what? You're just, at this point. Well, at this point, then what? Do you, do you put him in against San Jose? Like, what do you do? Call the guy up and then use him right away? Yeah, or why not? Do you call him up as for show and leave him on the bench and hope that it's not like Skinner, Skinner had it, it It's together. not like Skinner's played well. Like, both of them are, ter- like, just terrible right now so just yeah, yeah. play him yeah. well skinner in his defense i will say he made some terrific saves in the third period of this game he, tonight he did actually game, i was, game was falling apart That's he true. was actually he yeah. was, but i mean unfortunately the game was already over by then and what you need is a goalie that makes a save when you actually need the save yeah this is what yeah. hasn't been happening here enough yeah yeah <laughs> 
yep. Galvin Pickard. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. He's been an okay goal in the AHL, Calvin mm-hmm. Pickard, the last uh, two years. 918 and 912 save percentages. So it, it, it's not crazy to call him up either. But Rodriguez is just red hot, so why not? And um, you just never know. Well, you got to do something. And, you know, it's tr- making a trade of goalies in season is almost impossible. He's a, he's a smaller mm-hmm. goalie, so that's, that. you know, I have never seen him play much so you're thinking acrobatic goalie maybe acrobatic goalie is what the <laughs> the owners could use well all those two on one someone's got to move fast across that net so yeah. there you go I, do you think they're going to do it do you think would cross i think there's doing? a there's a reasonable chance like the pressure's mounting yeah the they've got to do something you know they're giving up five goals against every mm-hmm. game like their eight regulation losses they've given up 41 goals They've yeah. given up at least four goals in every regulation loss. They lost 3-2 in uh, overtime. And the two times they held the other team below three goals, that was their two wins. And otherwise, it's like four plus, game after game after game. Like all eight losses, at least four goals against. Adam Ernie scored a goal in Bakersfield in his first game. Mm-hmm. All right, Bruce, let's leave it there. That's Thanks for talking. I got to write about this pig yet. Oh, you're doing the game grades? I thought it was Kurt. Nope, it's my turn tonight. Sorry to hear that, Bruce. My condolences. <laughs> oh well, I had the eight. I had the 8-1 game in the season opener, so this will be a, this will be a cakewalk compared to that. Right. And I promise not to mention the referees more than maybe twenty or thirty times tops. <laughs> thanks for talking tonight. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime. And in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.